Episode 26 of the Football Fitness Federation podcast is with Dave Carolan. Dave has been head of performance at numerous clubs, which he mentions in the episode. He spoke to us about what he's learned from his recent UK tour, visiting numerous clubs, including Arsenal. Also, what the best performance environment he worked in has been and why. And then also where he sees the future of strength conditioning or performance as a whole going. This episode is sponsored by the Soccer Science Conference. So on the 21st of June 2019, the Soccer Science Conference will take place at Hotel Football in Manchester, right next to Old Trafford. Dave is one of the speakers at the event. It's going to be a great event. There's a keynote talk from Gary Neville and there's also presentations from Shane Murphy, um, who's at Manchester City, Paul Bradley, who's a consultant at Barcelona, plus many others. And there'll be many tech companies um, there as well and plenty of practitioners to network with. It's looking to be a great event. If you haven't got your tickets already, head over to our website, footballfitfed.com. Click on the tab at the top that says Network Meetings and Events. Click on the Soccer Science Conference and then at checkout, use code FFF10 and get 10% discount. Like I say, it's looking like a great event. I went last year and it was a top event and this one looks even better. So grab your tickets and don't miss out. As always, please subscribe and share this episode. It was great to chat to Dave. He had some great information um, and it sounds like he's got a lot of good things coming as well. So it's good to keep an eye out and see what Dave's got coming. Um, he's really passionate about the industry as a whole and helping other practitioners and um, developing an open network of practitioners that are willing to share information, which is obviously one reason why we set Football Fitness Federation up. So it was great to see that our paths align and our thoughts align on, on that area. Enjoy the episode with Dave. Welcome to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. I'm joined today by Dave Carolan. Dave, how things? All's well, Ben. Thank you very much for inviting me on today to uh, have a chat with you. No problem at all, mate. Now, can you um, start us off, Dave? I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who know who you are and know where you've been, but can you um, give a little bit of background and take us up to current day? Okay, I'll try and make this a whistle-stop tour. Um, so I uh, I left Ireland at 18. I had a, a decent kind of rugby career ahead of me, came to London and went to St. Mary's University, now famous for its uh, SNC course, but back then uh, it was a hu- human movement sciences, um, and then it changed to sports science uh, a few months after, uh, and did my degree there. Um, in the course of doing my degree and playing rugby at a, at a decent level at London Irish, um, I injured my back, so I ended up like one of those referees who claims they never made it to the top because of that injury. Um, but actually, yeah, two and a half years out with a back injury, and in that time, I really immersed myself in my sports science work. Um, did some kind of volunteering for some uh, colleagues um, who were doing fitness testing with clubs like Harlequins and so on. And um, yeah, got got my early experiences of data collection, you know, basically writing down numbers on on what were pieces of paper then. We didn't have laptops. Um, uh, and, and yeah, got real good experience of how to run fitness testing. Um, so a couple of years later, having finished the university, I was now working for Sports Injuries Clinic 
that was based out of the university. And we um, were right at the cusp of rugby gone professional. And we had a great young coach coming through at the time um, who was just brought in at London Irish called Clive Woodward. I'm sure many of the listeners have heard of Clive. Um, and he really wanted to push uh, at the, the kind of uh, big bang of rugby gone professional. He wanted to have great support services around the players. So we were uh, brought in to, to run the whole program. So I r- managed the sports science and fitness program um, for, for London Irish for a couple of seasons uh, while I was also studying my master's and wor- working elsewhere. And then it was a whistle-stop tour. Um, from there, I went to the Science Museum to work there for 20 months on a big exhibition called Science of Sport. And that was, was fantastic. That was educating the public on how sports science was affecting not just football, but uh, rugby and uh, it was um, tennis, Formula One, uh, cycling and so on and so forth. Um, and then out of the blue, I saw an opportunity to go into Harlequins who were looking to run a similar program to what we had at London Irish. Um, and at exactly the same time, uh, some of the colleagues I'd worked with before approached me about going into professional football. And um, because a club that made contact with them and wanted to run one of these uh, programs, but in football, which wasn't really being done. So lo and behold, I, uh, I was at that time working at Surrey County Cricket. I came away from there and I went up to Norwich City, where I stayed for 10 years. Then left there in 2008, went for seven seasons to Colchester. And then it was from there to Birmingham, Derby, and up until January this year, Stoke City. So I've heard you speak before, Dave, about um, the importance of a network, but more importantly, like an like an open network of coaches and practitioners. And I know it's tied in with um, the last few weeks, really, where you've been you managed to get around and visit a few clubs. So do you want to touch on what you've been up to uh, specifically the last few weeks and probably months? Yeah, it's, it's rolled into months now, Ben, um, as it's been probably one of the quietest seasons for uh, managers changing in the Football League and especially in the Championship. So, um, yeah, I've used my time constructively really to go out and educate myself and upscale my knowledge of what's happening uh, at other clubs and with other practitioners and really trying to see how the environment is changing because from where I started twenty one seasons ago at Norwich to where we are nowadays, it's been a, it's been a, a huge change in, in football. Um, not only in how we do things, but who does things and the amount of practitioners that are now involved. So going from the start where there was not myself, Tony Strudberg, Chris Barnes and a few others, um, you know, kind of making the path for others to follow on. Now there's a whole army of people. So, yeah, I took myself uh, initially to Arsenal. Um, I've been in to see the guys at Cambridge. I went down to Brighton, to Bournemouth. Um, I've also been across Aston Villa. And um, I'm off on my travels again uh, as soon as we end this call, off to another club as well to, to go and see them. So what... What are some of the, some of the things you or your biggest takeaways so far, Dave, in terms of the environments that you've seen? Well, certainly from from my perspective, looking at what they have as support services for the players, I know we take things like GPS for granted, um, 
but we also see now how well equipped training grounds are to allow a lot of other work to take place as well um, and that's from how well kitted out the gymnasiums are so you know the whole aspect of, of lifting um, all of the clubs I went into there was a a, a good spread of different types of stimulus for for strength and power based elements certainly the technology uh, that's being implemented daily to support the players in terms of preparation for training uh, what they do in training and even how their nutrition is being affected by the loads that they're seeing on the on the pitch so also we're even at the point where they're trying to match uh, training loads with nutritional input that might happen at lunchtime. You know, for for a, a big volume day, they'll obviously look at a little bit more carb loading for those days when they they the different type of stimulus. They'll look for a little bit more protein stimulus. So that's fascinating to see how integrated multidisciplinary teams are working together in order in order to maximise the potential of the players and the the performances of the team. And. This has become apparent, obviously, because of the, the strength of your network, hasn't it, and what you've been able to build um, over the years, and then people being open and allowing you to come into and go and visit training grounds. So what, what's your best advice there? Because I know at the clubs you've been at, you, you'd have been through busy seasons, really busy periods, but you've still managed to keep this network strong. So where you have had, had an opportunity to go out to these clubs, you've obviously... Um, created that opportunity beforehand. So what's your advice to coaches to build that network during busy periods? Well, I think it all starts on on match days when you come up against your uh, your opposite number. And certainly in the past, it was quite gladiatorial that people stayed on their side of the on the pitch and they, you set up your warm-up or you, you got all of your equipment ready and everyone kept to themselves. And it wasn't until... You know, a few years into practice, I just walked across the white line and said hello and um, really tried to start a conversation and find out about the other people. And uh, we, we laugh about it now in terms of it being the kind of standard pre-game chat that you have with your, your opposite number, you know, about where they stayed and um, how they traveled up and how the season has started, how's it going, how they expect it to end or where they were in pre-season or where they're going next pre-season. Uh, just having a conversation and over the years then you it becomes a lot easier you get to know about different practitioners and their family life or the relationship status or the fact that they've moved clubs or there's been a different manager um, and you share experiences and being open and willing to cross the white line to the other half of the pitch um, to just have a discussion means that then when you meet people at conferences it's, it's a real natural conversation to have and you can spend more quality time um, with guys who are in a similar position to you um, and share experiences. And from then it builds, you know, the, as I referenced before, some of the older guys, we've, we now watch the, the younger um, practitioners coming through and they, they tend to all stick together and never come up to have a discussion or, you know, try and pick up reins or, well, they certainly don't to, to me anyway, uh, maybe to the other guys. But um, I think it's, it's those situations where you, you start building up friendships with um, 
similar practitioners in your league or uh, people that you've seen on the scene? One thing I wanted to, uh, to get your um, views on, Dave, is where you think the future of not necessarily just strength conditioning, but performance as a whole is going um, and where you think is going to develop Well, certainly when we started at Ben, we were, you know, jack of all trades. Um, we had to be able not only to be the fitness coach out on the pitch, we had to also be the strength and conditioning coach in the gym. We had to be the sports scientist when it came to all came all, all to monitoring and testing at the start of the season, during the season. We were the nutritionist because we were sorting out all the food, buying the food, serving the players, at times on, on the coaches. Um, so with all of those skills that we had, we were quite adaptive being able to jump from role to role quite quickly, quite seamlessly and know how each one interacted. More recently, we've seen the rise of the specialists who sit in their sub-discipline of sports science as such. So whether you're an SNC or you're a nutritionist or uh performance analysts, uh, the lads stay in their lane as such. Um, and they know their area, you know, so deep um, that it means that they can have real, real good insight in those areas. But unfortunately, that means there's often not a transfer into the other sub-disciplines that might be affected by their work. So, for example, the work that the nutritionist does in terms of making sure that the players are um, 100% behind the nutrition plan that the body comp stuff is, is spot on is all good but when it also comes to the S&C guys and what they're trying to do with the players in terms of either build more lean mass or start stripping some um, stripping some excess weight off players you need those guys to be able to work together and if that's not happening because there's no cross-referencing and there's no communication between them that becomes a bit of a problem. Um, so certainly we've seen the rise of the specialist. I think in the future, we're going to have to get more back to generalist people who want to be able to lead the department are going to have to have some of those skills that the other guys around them possess. So I think there has to be a real push in, in the future for people when they come into clubs to fulfill a role, to be able to then... Uh, move across lanes or certainly learn what's happening in the uh, departments beside them or that are um, influenced by them in order to get those skills so if they do want to leave the department that they can do it with full knowledge of or at least most knowledge of the uh, other departments and i suppose along the same lines with your with your experience previously but also i think tying into the trips you've done recently out to clubs where do you feel like the areas that most need developing at or where we, we most need to prog progress as a, as a whole? Well, players have changed over the years and being able to build relationships with players and with coaches is fundamental to you doing your job. Um, the, the courses that we see in universities now, I think, are giving practitioners coming into the game um, even higher level knowledge than, than we would have had 10 years ago because of the development of research, because of the development of the courses themselves. 
Um, and those hard skills and that you know, deep theory is really important underpinning, which gets you in the door. However, the soft skills that we need to be able to coach people and to be able to sell whatever program or whatever intervention you're trying to get the players to do um, is, is really important. So I, th- I certainly think that the development of soft skills, and I know in countless other podcasts you will have um, heard people talking about this, but it stands true and it's a reason why we put such an emphasis on it when we look to recruit people is how good they are at relationships, how good they are at speaking to people, um, in order to be able to influence them to get done what's needed to be done. Um, and notwithstanding that as well, it's also respecting the journey that you need to go as a practitioner to get to where you want to go. Um, there's no point trying to short-circuit it by taking, um, taking too many career steps too fast, um, whether that's chasing money or chasing status, um, or trying to get to the best club that you think you can get to as fast as possible. Um, they're all laudable things, but along the way you can lose out on a lot of really rich experiences which stand you further as your career goes along. And where, on reflection, where do you think you've developed your um, soft skills from, Dave? One of the best Examples that I always give, and I'm sure people have heard me speak before, um, will be bored by me telling this story again. But effectively, we had a uh, psychologist that came into to Norwich a number of years ago. And I was probably two or three years in practice in football at that stage. Um, and I just asked him to you know, watch me, see how I, I performed when I was you know, doing warm-ups or I was working in the gym or wh- whatever I was doing. And I just asked him to observe me for a week. And the feedback he gave me was, you know, it was my use of language, my use of tone, um, how I instructed people. I was very autocratic. It was very much command and control style from me. Um, And he said, look, in in order to engage people better, you, you need to play with your language and you need to play with how you communicate with people. And at this point, it's, it's not, I, I could certainly get across what I wanted and coming across from rugby, it was you know very much a I say you do kind of culture. Um, but football was a lot different. So I needed to learn about the culture of football, but I needed also to improve um, how I communicated. And, and that was the, the best, um, best education I think I have. Um, so I played with it for probably about six months and then got him to review me and uh, you know his kind of words it was chalk and cheese because now I had fun I engaged with all of the players uh, I found a way of um, engaging with everybody throughout a warm-up and even though my warm-ups are still you know reasonably terrible as any of the players I've warmed up will attest to um, I always try and make sure at least there's some variety and there's some kind of humor or, you know when the, when the time is right um, and not taking myself too seriously and what just to expand on that, where do you, where else would you point coaches? So especially like young coaches, if they if that's a real key area, which I think it is for everyone, but if that's an area that they struggle with in particular is, is the soft skill side. They've got all the knowledge, but they really need to develop the soft skill side. Where would you say um, is best 
for young coaches to develop that? Is it is it strictly with the players, or can they go and do other things, maybe outside of football and outside of sport? Well, first of all, if you're within the sport, learn from the coaches. You know, the coaches spend far more time in front of the players than we do. And so if you're at a club and there are a number of coaches, go and watch the different types of coaches and, and see how they communicate. And you'll find some of them have got real innate skills of how to talk to players, whether they're in a group, whether they're in a small unit or whether they're speaking one-to-one. And they find different ways of engaging with players. You know, so whether the player is somebody who's quite a, you know, a peacock who needs to have their kind of feathers stroked all the time to make feel important and um, and, and valued, that that's certainly one type of player. Um, there may be someone who's a bit more grounded, who you know needs to be spoken to quite directly. They they respond more to the fact that they're being challenged as opposed to having their ego stroke. So coaches are brilliant at doing that. So certainly spend some time with coaches outside of that there's a, a huge amount of value to be had in you know in youtube or in ted talks about finding how different people in different walks of life engage with with the audience they're in front of chris foss is a great one a former head of the fbi um, uh, in charge of hostage negotiation um, and there's some great talks of people go and, and find him online about how he engages with um, you know, hostage takers and talks them down from having a 10 million pound ransom on somebody's head to them effectively giving them back for free and then months later saying, oh, not you again, you know, there's no point in me carrying on with this kind of hostage situation because you're just going to talk me out. So um, go out there, find out what uh, different people in different walks of life, be that business, be that in the military, be that in sport, uh, find out what their stories are. There, there's there's great stuff to be learned, especially from the the old coaches, because they didn't have any of these solutions that we have now that are so richly available on social media. For example, they just had to figure it out, and they did. And just to move it on, Dave, across going back across your career so far as well. One question I wanted to ask you was, and you don't necessarily have to name clubs or, or coaches in this, but which performance environment has been most effective that you've worked in and, and why do you think that is? I think I can take, um, take a lot from each of the performance environments I've been in. Certainly, if I was to look at um, Derby County, for example, the training facility that they have there, and, and even comparing to some of the ones I've been to recently, is, is top class. You know, it's a top class championship training ground and wouldn't be too far off uh, Premier League standard although that standard is rapidly moving away from the rest of the championship so certainly uh, well staffed and a really good facility if I go back to when I started at Norwich though uh, Norwich's facility that was built back then at Colney um, was ahead of its time and we had a real like desire within that team to work hard so that was a team that surpassed all of its levels because of its innate desire among the players themselves, certainly driven by the staff, but the players themselves wanted to win above all other things. You know, we, we had a back five that year of which four uh, played 45 
or 46 games and um the, the fullback only missed out because of suspension. Um, two midfielders who both played over 44 games, they just wanted to be on the pitch all the time. They were, they were an excellent level of fitness, but yeah, they were just winners who wanted to be there. So that was slightly different. Uh, and Birmingham was largely the same as well. Um, that was very much a case of picking up a team that had been underperforming. And, and Gary Rabbit had gone in there before I had arrived and had effectively turned around what was a, a pretty, um, by all accounts, miserable ship. Um, and introduce fun and introduce this idea of uh, team cohesion. Um, and again, you know, you, you saw that uh, reflected in the performances we got. Um, not all of the the uh, environments I've been in have been, you know, optimal in terms of either the facility or the group. But certainly those three are, are, are standard examples of either having, you know, a great facility or a great team or a mixture of both. I think that's that's key to hear from someone like yourself because I think when coaches are where, where they end up either if you want to call it lucky or you want to say they've done well in their careers and they end up in an environment where they have got really nice cha- um, training facilities and um, the pitches are spotless and all the rest of it, then yeah. having experienced the the opposite of that, then I think that's really important, isn't it, to actually go and see both sides. 100% I think um, some of my best experiences were uh, at Colchester where when I turned up on the first day I was thrown the keys to a painter decorator van which was the kind of effectively the training kit van so um, I thought it was some kind of company car I was given so went out into the car park to try and find this lovely Audi or Mercedes you would have seen at all of the other clubs and it was a, a Ford uh, Escort uh you know, small transit van. And I drove that around Colchester for the best part of four years until the training ground was built. And um, every day I'd go and try and find the, the training ground that we'd use for the day and then radio back in as to where everyone should come to. Um, and, and then if you wanted uh, a live heart rate system, uh, we used an system there called an Activio system. And uh, yeah, I had to stick the uh, transmitter on top of the, the roof of the van in order to get enough signal because uh, we, we didn't have anything we could stick it high enough on. So all those kind of experiences, and as I said before, where, where you have to go on a Friday and buy the food, uh, stick it on the team bus, and then as soon as you're finished on a Saturday, you haven't done all the normal stuff you do, and then packed all the kit away, you then got onto the bus and you cooked all the food for all the staff and all the players. Those are the experiences that enrich your life that mean when you go to a big club, uh, so to speak, that you realise that it's it's about mucking in and you use your time effectively, but also don't feel you're too big to to lend a hand. And if if there's slips in the shower that need to be picked up, don't be too big to to do that. You know, it's 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 not the badge on the front of the um, of of your training top that's really important. It's the job that you do in that kit. Yeah, and that's all creating your toolbox as well isn't it so as you're going through your career and you're putting these circumstances like you you look back now and I'm sure you're laughing laughing at the van and all the rest of it but I bet you there was um so many lessons to take from that period that when you do turn turn up to a club like Derby and all the kits there and it's ready for you and you're training on perfect pitches then you can relay back to those experiences 
Yeah, and, and that's why I see there's huge value in not only players going out on loan, but I also think there's a there's a massive need potentially for practitioners to go out on loan if you're in a, a junior position as such you're not lead um leading your department there's certainly no reason why we shouldn't be looking at practitioners going out on loan so if you're in the championship or in the premier league that you get a chance to go and work in league one or league two because that just enriches the staff the support staff as much as it does players when they go out there um, and likewise, there's great practitioners in the lower league, so to speak, and even in non-league nowadays, because not everybody who gets a degree is going to be able to work in, in the professional leagues. And some of their work um, is, is just as good, if not better, than what has been carried on at clubs higher up in the, in the pyramid. And it's important to recognize that, you know, that just because somebody is working at what is perceived a lower level doesn't make, mean that their work is of a low level. So don't be afraid to go out. Um, I've worked at Lowestoft, uh, Lowestoft Town. I worked there for the best part of five and a half, six seasons. Um, we started off at level seven in the non-league pyramid. And by the time I finished, we were on the cusp of promotion to Conference South, Conference North. So that was four promotions in six years. Um, that was about committing your time because uh, at the time I was at Colchester um, I was traveling from Norwich to Colchester for the day job and I traveled from Colchester to Lowestoft for the evening job and came home. And that was, um, as people now call it, that was my side hustle. But that was also learning what is non-league football about. It's, it's hard for those guys, you know. And when you send players out to non-league, you know what they're going through. So um, you know that your program that you're going to send with them has to be tolerant of the environment they're going to be in because they may have nothing. And they've also got the other challenges, haven't they? Because depending on how far, how far down the leagues you go, you might have some part-time players as well. You've then got to work on next to no sleep because you might have kids and working a full-time job alongside playing and all the rest of it. So there's a lot more challenges, that they, or not more challenges, but different challenges that get thrown at those, those uh, coaches in those environments. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, um, you'd, you'd go to training in the evening uh, and sometimes there'd only be eight players there uh, three have cried off because of work commitments uh, you probably have two or three who might be ill you've got another three or four who have contracts that mean they only have to be there one of the nights a week so we'd prefer them there on a on a Thursday night to prepare for the game on the Saturday and then of course you've got one or two who'll have family uh, f- family things to deal with you know children going ill uh, wives who get caught at work or girlfriends who, who can't get away from their their work as well so that that's hugely enriching um sometimes it, it wasn't always like great great times um two or three times i turned up and training had been cancelled but they hadn't told me because uh driving in suffolk you sometimes lose signal so training was cancelled i didn't find out till an hour later and turned up and training the training ground was locked well it wasn't even the training ground it was the main pitch um, so, yeah, you, you, you get on with it and uh, there are more stripes that you just add to your, um, to your shirt as such in terms of things you've, you've done. Um, and the more experiences you can have, the more you can relay, uh, rely on them as you go through your career uh, and so that nothing really should phase you. I see a lot of 
younger practitioners when something goes slightly wrong and they, they suddenly panic um, or, or they get deeply frustrated. Um, they do a lot of work and it, it looks like the coach is overriding them. And really, you know, there's, there's, there's no need to worry about that. As long as you've done the work with good endeavor and, you know, with your best heart, you know, if the coach chooses not to use it, it's potentially not a slight on you, unless, of course, you've not built a great relationship with him. But, you know, coaches have to make decisions based on what they think is best for the players and for the team. So not everything is going to be perfect as you think it should be for you and the work you've done. And I know you probably touched a, a little bit on it already, but I wanted you to talk a little bit about what you're going to be presenting at um, about uh, soccer science. So on the 21st of June, Friday, 21st of June, you're going to be presenting at the Soccer Science Conference in Manchester, uh, Hotel Football. So do you want to just touch on what it is you're going to cover, Dave? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the conference this year. Unfortunately, uh, I couldn't make last year's because of the the timing of the event, and and Reece put on a great conference last year. And thankfully, he's in, he, he's he's not falling out with me, and uh, he's invited me back this year. It's it's kind of going to be about what I've been talking about before um, during the podcast: the fact that changing environments and going into a new club can sometimes be daunting for for players, but it can also be daunting for staff. Um, and it's a two-way street. If you're coming into a club and you're you're being greeted by a number of staff who potentially have been there a long time, um, it's important to be able to build relationships, hopefully, quickly to get the work done that you need to get done. Um, and, and likewise, when you're a member of staff and you're receiving somebody coming in who works with the manager or has been brought into a, to a position of influence, um, h- how you work from that perspective as well in terms of handing over of data um adapting to new systems adapting your philosophy and um i I think it's a a, an interesting area around the culture of of how you need to be flexible in terms of philosophy um pinning everything down um and being hard-nosed about it can sometimes be counterproductive productive to you if somebody comes in who's got vastly different opinions to you. So I really just want to throw that out there for people to, to think about. And uh, hopefully when they're in a position where they either move clubs or somebody comes in, they have, they've got a better, you know, to use your earlier phrase, toolbox to be able to go into and say, okay, I need to, to change in this way or adapt in that way. It's, it is definitely self. It's going to be a great event, and self-presenting. There's loads of top presenters there. Gary Neville, alongside you as well, Dave, as a as a fellow presenter. Yeah, well, hopefully he doesn't get the um, the tactics board out on me and starts taking my, my presentation apart. Um, <laughs> but ha- having been on the um, on the touchline in games against Manchester United in the past where he's played in, you know, so uh, hopefully I don't get my one back out on him either, you know. <laughs> no, there's some top top presenters and top presentations, yeah. sure, so the guys need to go and check it out if not got tickets already, so look forward to uh, seeing your presentation there, mate. Have you got anything else coming up? Um, got got a f- couple of bits and pieces that I'm doing at the moment, um, so I can't really say too much about those just yet. Um, probably the next thing I'm going to be going to uh, this weekend will be the um, Ice Kinetic Football Conference down in Wembley. So I'll yeah. be there for three days. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the speakers there across a wide range of sports and a wide range of disciplines. 
Um, again, it's a great event if people can get to it. I, th- I think it's pretty much probably um, done now in terms of uh, of tickets for it. But if uh, there'll certainly be a lot of buzz around it on social media, and I think people should follow that if they can. It's going to be three days, and um, if you go onto the Ice Kinetic website, you can see the uh, the full brochure of of what's going on there. Um, after that, yeah, I've got um, two two or three things that I've been discussing with. Um, with some other people, um, the, the old kind of the the old practitioners have been around a while. We want to try and do something more for the for the industry, and we feel there's a lot of scope that we can do going forwards to improve how we work as a community and better support each other. And uh, when we start to reveal that, hopefully in the next couple of months, hopefully most people can get behind us and try and support what we're trying to do it, it, we think um, and i certainly think that we're being undersold across um all of the disciplines uh, that work within within football and within sport um and we need to stand up for ourselves a little bit more and uh, certainly drive our industry forward so it's best represented throughout the world um because certainly the EPL and uh, English football is adored the world over. And we've got a lot of great practitioners in this country and we need to be trumpeting them more rather than being overlooked by a lot of uh, coaches who come in and, and basically dismiss a lot of this this great knowledge that we have here. It's a discussion we've had time and time again on our network meetings on how we can go about that and show the good work that people do. And I think it's important that People like yourselves are getting behind that and, and really driving it forward because I, I I fully agree. I think there's loads of great work and a lot of people tend to jump on negatives a lot of the time, don't they? And don't and skip the positives that a lot of the good work is being is sort of going under the carpet, being swept under the carpet. Well, I think we have an important role as a community to support each other. Um, unfortunately, social media has become a great place to to fight each other when it comes to somebody having an opinion about a way of, of training or a way of, uh, a way of eating or whatever it might be, a, a performance philosophy, a training philosophy, uh, equipment that's being used and so on and so forth. And I think for the good of the industry, we need to look to stop trying to fight each other on social media all the time and look at how we can actually portray ourselves much better because the fact that it looks like we can't agree on anything, um, there, there are so many different creeds of religion, and it's the same for performance sciences. You know, so whether somebody decides that they use Olympic weights or not, that's just one of the religions of strength training. So it's not to say that there's nothing good in it or that your one is so much better. It's just a different way of, of doing it. If, if you were doing it, you'd do it your way. If they're doing it, they do it their way. And I think that mutual respect for different ways of training is important. Obviously, if people are doing things that are dangerous, um, that that's different. But I think we're very fast to criticize nowadays. And we want to, uh, certainly the colleagues I've spoken to, we want to be far more supportive. Um, we think there's a, a great gap in terms of mentoring. Um, I'm mentoring uh, a few people at the moment in terms of trying to help them in their careers and push forward and help them make better decisions about their careers and and their current practice. And I want to expand that further, but I think we also need to come together as a, as a group and actually understand that if, if we don't have a code of conduct about how we behave, 
in certainly social media, but for the better of our industry and how we represent each other, we're going to end up um, with less jobs available because coaches and uh, sporting directors will just start to look at um, there being too many grey areas where we don't agree. So who should they believe? Yeah. No, it sounds quality, mate. It sounds like a really good um, initiative and something that I'm keen to see. Um, and if you do want to come on and bring whoever on with you, then we can have a, a chat about it again. I'm, I'm keen to uh, help in any way possible that we can with that because that sounds quality. That'd be great, Ben. And yeah, we certainly need support of, of as many people as possible. Um, we're, we're, we're quite diluted as, as a group. We're often in lots of different things in lots of different places. And hopefully we can find some way that we can, there's, there's lots of great resources. There's lots of great people. Well, let's get them all facing in the same direction and pushing the whole industry forward rather than going in separate ways, doing our own thing uh, and, and, and everybody backbiting and uh, criticizing. Yeah, we, we've got to find something to come around. And if that's for the good of the industry, well, let's start with their, and, and then we'll move forward from that. Yeah, brilliant. Is there anywhere the, the guys can get in touch with you, Dave, if you've got any questions or anything? Well, if they want to be uh, in, in contact with my eclectic life and social media posts, then uh, <laughs> on Twitter, at Dave Carolan. It's, it's not performance-based by any means all the time. I'll be talking about all sorts on there. So whether it's pictures of my dogs or sometimes doing with the family or my views on Brexit or performance uh, related stuff then that's that's my rich vein of life is on there um and yeah i've got my app iDrills, which is a, a coaching app which i developed years ago so so that's out there as well um and then yeah we're just building the website at the moment so i'll uh i'll release details of the website um in, in time to come it'll come through my, my normal twitter account brilliant but when have you got when you've got all that Dave, send it over and I'll put it out on ours as well. That'd be uh, that'd be great. Yeah, brilliant. You know, and uh, certainly the work that you guys, you lads are doing there with FFF, uh, you know, great credit to you going off around the country. And that's really important because not everything is happening in the big cities. You know, so whether it's Ipswich or Scunthorpe or Brighton or wherever in the country that we can get as many performance guys and girls coming together to speak, to build a network, whether it's regional or divisional or the North, South or the Midlands, they're all really important because um, not everything, as I said, needs to happen in the big cities. So more power to you guys and what you're doing. Yeah, cheers, Dave. Well, uh, I'll leave you to the rest of your day, mate, and we'll hope, hopefully catch up at, um, at Soccer Science. Yeah, really looking forward to it. And I'll, what I will say is, if you're a practitioner going to any conferences, break out of your bubble of your normal people that you speak to. Go and find somebody new to speak to. Make it make it your kind of goal at each conference. Can you speak to one or two new people that you've not spent time with before? Even if it's in one of the 15-minute breaks, find someone, learn about them, share some knowledge, use it as a speed dating tool, and uh, you know Tinder for performance staff, or if if, if that's a, a good analogy, um, and that way you can build your network and build it bigger and stronger, um, and hopefully it serves you well in your career. Yeah, top advice and a good way to finish. Thanks a lot, mate. No problem, Ben. Thank you very much. Speak soon. Thanks, Dave. Bye. Big thank you to Dave for coming on the podcast. It was great to chat with him, and. 
he's a, he's obviously a coach and a practitioner that's constantly learning and that's great to see with his experience he's constantly going out to clubs learning from other practitioners and it's quite quite refreshing to see someone at that level of his career going out and doing it he's um i think it was also really good that we spoke about having an open network so not just a network of coaches you can reach out to but an open network you're willing to um, provide opportunities for other people and also the, the the loan system he spoke about with practitioners I think will be really important and um, I hope that clubs pursue that because I think it's important for like we spoke about in the episode for practitioners as well as players to go out and experience different environments like players will do it at lower league clubs um, or non-league I think it's important for practitioners to do the same and then also he spoke about staff being fearful of moving getting comfortable in their environment so I think that's a really good point for for practitioners to get out there see what's out there and not get caught up in in your own little bubble and then go and, and share ideas and meet other coaches and meet other people in different positions so it was really good of Dave to come on it was great to chat with him he's someone, someone that's awesome to chat to I could talk to him all day about different things you can go and follow him on Twitter he's at Dave Carolan, which is his second name is spelled C-A-R-O-L-A-N. And you can catch him at the Soccer Science Conference. So he's going to be presenting at the Soccer Science Conference on the 21st of June. To get your tickets, go to footballfitfed.com, click the network meetings and event tab. And then when you buy your tickets through the Soccer Science website, um, make sure to use code FFF10 and get 10% off your tickets. And joining Dave, there's loads of other coaches, like I mentioned at the, at the start, Gary Neville, Shane Murphy, Paul Bradley, loads of others, um, and I'm sure loads of other coaches will be attending as well. So it looks like a really, really good event, so make sure to get your tickets and, and uh, come and see Dave present. Also, huge thank you to Adam Kerr. Um, Adam hosted our last network meeting at Scunthorpe United. Really, really good meeting. It was great to see some familiar faces at the meeting as well. So thanks to all the coaches that came out and attended. But big thank you to Adam. He did a top presentation, which is now available on our community. So if you go onto our website, footballfitfed.com, click the community tab, and you can join the community for free for a month. Um, after that, it's £4.99 a month, but there's plenty of content on there, more content going on there all the time. And Adam's presentation is now available on the community as well. Um, so a really big thank you to Adam for hosting. We are going to be announcing the next few meetings very soon, so please keep an ear out and an eye out for that because um, we've got some really good meetings coming up and really um, some really good plans with the meetings as well, so I'm really excited to bring that to you. Um, and if anyone is interested in hosting a meeting or presenting at a meeting, please get in touch. And then as always, big thank you for listening and subscribe make sure you subscribe to the podcast and share this episode with as many coaches as possible whether it's on instagram twitter facebook or just telling other people about it i really do appreciate it and then if you've got two minutes please head over to itunes and leave us a five-star review and a short little comment on which episode you've enjoyed the most um, which guests you've enjoyed the most and um, give us some feedback on the on the episodes and, and the podcast as always so I know I'm not talking to nobody. Guys, thank you again for listening and we'll speak to you next week. <laughs>